Let's do it. Ready? Yeah. But first, for Ven, your dad knows this, and I'll explain it to you. We always do an audio test with our guests where I usually have them name five of something or 10 of something. So for Ven, for you, can you name three of your favorite things that your dad cooks? Or kiake with bolognese, sopes with steak, and mochi waffles. I mean, I don't know if that's accurate. I just had this. I love it. Chef, dad, Ken, name three things Verven created in the cookbook that made you say, wow, that's delicious. The caca with cocoa and a little bit of hot pepper. I would say the um, Verven's creamy scrambled eggs and the um, truffle pasta. Yum. All right. You both sound good. Let's do it. Hey everyone, I'm Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, the duo season. I'm a chef by trade and hospitality professional. By day, I head up Rachel Ray's culinary operations and co-founded her cooking and kids charity called Yummo. Six years ago, I had the idea to put together a podcast where we sit down with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the food industry and the social impact they have made in their communities. Hence, the name Beyond the Plate. If you're new to the pod, welcome. If you've listened before, we're so glad you're back. This season, we're featuring some of the greatest restaurant and hospitality duos in the industry. And we're grateful to our partners who make this podcast a reality. With that. Hey everyone, one more thing. The team behind Beyond the Plate is excited to bring you a brand new podcast called Clean Play Club. Clean Play Club is a kid and family friendly podcast that is kind of like story time, but with recipes. Listen along as we share delicious dishes and tasty treats from chefs and celebrities who cook at home with their kids. Clean Play Club is a great way to get kids excited about food and cooking. Find it on all major podcast platforms and on Instagram at Clean Play Club Pod. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Today's guests are the father-daughter duo behind one of my favorite new cookbooks called Cooking with My Dad the Chef, 70-plus kid-tested, kid-approved, and gluten-free recipes for young chefs published by America's Test Kitchen Kids. You can learn all about Dad, Chef Ken Oranger, in Season 6, Episode 17. Brief version is, he's a Boston-based chef, restaurateur, philanthropist, and as I stated in his episode, one of the greatest chefs I know. He has a number of restaurants around Boston, including Uni, Toro, Copa, Little Donkey, and where I recently celebrated my birthday, Facha. He's a James Beard Award winner and plenty of other accolades to boot, but... Enough about him. His daughter, Vervin, is 14 years old and, like many children of chefs, grew up cooking at home and spending time in restaurants. Her story is a little different than most due to a health diagnosis she received when she was 10, and now she's a champion for all kids in the kitchen. Please enjoy this episode as we go beyond the plate with Chef Ken Oranger and his daughter, Verven. Good to have you both here for duo season. <laughs> Thank you for having us. So yes. pumped. I think you're maybe the only returning guest, Ken. Oh, Rachel did it twice, but good That's to have pretty, you. Pretty good company. <laughs> I'll take that. Let's do it. Verven, you're the youngest podcast guest that we've ever had. And not only that, possibly the only one who has a book with praise from culinary giants such as Jacques Pepin, Bobby Flay, Rachel Ray, and more. True story, everybody. Literally, the list of chefs that talk about this book are insane. So my question for you is, how does it feel having these people acknowledge your hard work as a teenager? Um, 
I think it's so cool to see the people that I've been seeing on TV that I've seen my dad talk about and look up to just like seeing them kind of like talk about the thing that I've worked on through the entire pandemic. I feel like that's like a really cool thing. And it doesn't feel real to think about. And I know that when my dad like told me about when these people, like when he was telling me the things they wrote about our book, I was like, it just, I was like, what? Like, I couldn't even process that. Yeah, I can imagine. Said that. Yeah, I can imagine because I was reading through them. I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. <laughs> and I like, I love the book. I told your dad that many times. Thank I'm reading so it like an actual like, book, which is, I guess, <laughs> what we do. So I want to share a quick story that happened, Verven, after your dad's episode that we recorded on Beyond the Plate. We received like multiple notes from people telling us how inspiring his episode was, which is amazing. We love that. We actually had a college student, a woman who went to school, I want to say Rutgers, but she was studying abroad in London and unsure what to do after she went to school. And she heard your dad say how he went to school for business and went to culinary and, you know, all this. And she listened to his episode and emailed us that she was so inspired. She decided to go back to school for culinary oh, wow. arts because of that, was, which wow. was awesome. And she actually just finished, Ken. She emailed me. Does she need a job? Probably. Listeners like that inspire me and it keeps like this podcast going what we do being able to make a difference for these people hearing these stories but i'm curious for ben like dad's dad but how has dad inspired you um i always like look up to my dad when i especially when i went to see the um james beard awards i don't know like five years ago or something like i've never been so proud and like i am so proud to say he's my dad i'm so proud to say that he has the restaurants and he's inspired me in so many ways and i have a passion for filmmaking he's inspired me with that he has inspired me for my love for food, what I know about restaurants, what I know about food around the world, around the places that I'm so fortunate enough to travel to. And I think that this book obviously couldn't, like I've written it with him too, but even like the parts that I wrote and the parts that I put into it, I think they couldn't have happened at all without him. Oh, best Ken, the best. <laughs> she can be president one day. She was on this <laughs> podcast. Fantastic. I love it. We And we're going to talk more about the book for sure and encourage everyone to buy it. And we'll link to it in the episode show notes and all that good stuff. But Vervent, we usually start out these conversations with the guests sharing about their childhood and how they got into the food world. And since we already covered that, we're going to encourage everyone to go back to hear all about Ken's career and more on, as I said, season six, episode 17 of the podcast. But to be honest, I'm excited for you to share your story, Verven, because I bet everyone listening knows someone or knows someone who knows someone who has the diagnosis that you received. I'm sure it wasn't easy. And I know you've been a rock star through the whole thing. And before we get even there, can you describe your childhood? Like in just a few words, what kind of kid were you? I mean, you're not a kid, but you know, what kind of kid were you when you were younger? No, but actually, first, I want to make it very clear. I'm still in my childhood and yes. I don't want to rush that. Yes, yes. Um, don't rush it. But don't rush it. Don't. No, I think a few ways to describe my childhood. I have a very close connection with my family, with my parents and my brother and my dog, Maple, who I'm actually watching right now. <laughs> And I think it's been a lot through food. It's been a lot through living in the city and traveling. We lived in Paris for eight months when I was in fourth grade. And like, I'd say like, it's like my home is our home, obviously, and the restaurants and just like the city and just like the food world. And I think I wouldn't have been myself. I wouldn't have had all these experiences if it was any different. Yeah. I love it. So take us back, like as far as you can remember about being like a little kid was 
so it sounds like food was always part of your life, if more I or less. I took my foot through steps and cope all right. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. In the restaurant, of course, of course you did. Mm-hmm. Did dad always make you try new things? Do you remember, like, when you were young, was he always having you taste things? Yeah, he says he put, like, spices in my baby food or something like that. <laughs> um, Heck yeah. And, yeah, he always liked the one bite thing. For Ven, I have four-year-old twins. And so when I started feeding them, I would talk to your dad about That's some smart. of the things that I was doing. And he was giving me tips on ground lamb and lamb's good for their brain and things like that. I remember these conversations. So he was helpful to me <laughs> too and my kids. But with the spices, it was really fun because as a chef and I know you're an amazing cook as well, but you get it gets boring after a while giving the same thing like, oh, here's carrot puree today and pea puree tomorrow and whatever. So after a while, I would just throw in, all right, I'm going to put in some turmeric and then I'm going to put in a little bit of ras al hanout and then I'm going to put in a little bit of berber spice and I would put in a little bit of nutmeg. And so I would always change it around a little bit just to, again, broaden our kids' horizons with recognizing that food is not just as bland baby food type of food that we all know, but putting saffron or carrots could be something that is you can eat in a three-star Michelin restaurant. And so it's fun to train them when they're young and just to let them be exposed to different spices and flavors. Yeah, 100%. I'm blanking on what the food and what the recipe was for you said you used to, there was like when we were really little there was something that we ate a lot and you put some vegetable, I forget, in it so we would eat that more and then you told us like a few years later I put the vegetable in it and we were just so surprised we're doing it now. (laughs) (laughs) Master. Yeah, I think that was the turkey meatloaf that I used to put. It would be like a turkey meatloaf but I would make it almost like a pate but I would put lots of sweet potato and lots of kale and spinach and carrots and tons of veggie in there and just grind it up in the meat grinder and yeah these guys never had a clue and it was super moist meatloaf yeah i'm sure i mean as chefs of course we want to put everything in front of our kids the reality is sometimes they're open to things and sometimes not was verven open to different foods when she was like four five six or yeah the younger the kids are or not always but you know our kids were definitely when they were young they had opinions but not strong opinions and so we would we would just throw (laughs) anything in front of them and see what would happen and they had sea urchin on spoons with raw quail egg yolks and they had oysters and they had foie gras and they had rabbit pate and escargot and all those type of things that you never know unless you put them in front of somebody what's going to happen so i took it as almost a fear factor type uh project and would throw it in some stuff stuck some stuff didn't but uh, most of the things that stuck still stick so yeah, it's just it was a pretty good philosophy, I think. I think it's Except amazing. vegetables have always been a little trickier. So good luck really? with that with your kids, Cappy. I mean, they like veggies, but not like Selena and I, that's for sure. Yeah, I have one kid who will eat whatever's on our plate and likes a little more like meaty things. Then I have another kid who like doesn't like meaty things, but she loves fruits and vegetables, which I can't like complain too much about that. So Verven, let's do a quick speed round and you just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Name your favorite food or dish you remember eating at home as a younger kid. Was it that meatloaf? Maybe like maybe we just um, talked about it. But. Pumpkin waffles. Yum. Name your favorite thing you used to eat at one of your dad's restaurants as a young kid. Pizza Coba. Is there a memorable meal or restaurant you remember from when you were younger? When I had trouble pasta at I'm blanking on the restaurant's name in New York. Oh, Del Posto. Del Posto. <laughs> 
Yum. That's a good one. Is there anything you don't like? Uh, cucumbers and scallops. Cucumbers <laughs> and scallops. <laughs> Love this. Who's the better eater? You or your brother, Luca? Me. <laughs> you or your mom? My mom. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, we're kind of, we're kind of opposite. She's more of like the vegetable type of path. I'm more of like the meat eater path. Like I asked when I was like about eight years old, we were at a food festival and there was this pig head and I just pointed at the pig head and I was like, I want that. And they gave it to me <laughs> and I just carried it around and like, <laughs> get the tongue out of it. <laughs> Amazing. Good stuff. For either of you, were there any rules like when it came to trying new foods? Try a bite and if you don't like it, you don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that was the rule. That's good. For Ven, were any of your friends like afraid to come over because your dad was going to give them like a raw oyster, or, like put fish sauce <laughs> in their meatballs so or something? I have had a lot of friends that come over and try like oysters and stuff like that for the first time. And there are a lot of people that come to the restaurants. My dad's like, you can have anything you want. They're asking for like plain pasta with butter. But then a lot of people are like really excited about it and order just the most random things on the menu because they can. So Have any become like way more open? to food because they've tried stuff at your house um, or at the restaurant? Several, I think from a long well, time so. ago, yeah. That's what it's about. Opening those kids' eyes to food and you never know where it's going to take them. Okay, so you were diagnosed with celiac disease when you were 10. My nephew was kind of recently diagnosed and I mean, this is a very, I don't want to say common, but kind of common widespread thing. Athletes, actresses, actors, musicians, a ton of people. For anyone listening who may not know, can e either of you are welcome to take it, but just give us like the lowdown. What is celiac disease? Um, so celiac disease is, it's basically where you can't eat, eat gluten, which is wheat, barley, and rye. And it like shows the symptoms in many different ways. It's very difficult to tell if people have it because people can show it in many different ways. Like for me, it was a lot of headaches. I had hardly any stomach aches. However, I knew a lot of other celiac people that was all stomach ache stuff and for me because it was all in the head it was brain fog headaches body pains like the doctors for three months had no idea and it was my mom who was like hey why don't we just test this if we can so I'm very thankful for that interesting and does anyone else in your family have it no but my mom eats better gluten-free so she's gluten-free with me like completely my brother eats gluten-free at home but he eats gluten like out of the house he says he feels better when he it's gluten-free. I don't know how true that is. But I yeah, feel better when I eat gluten-free. I'll tell you oh, that. Everybody feels better when they eat gluten-free. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Again, everything in our house is completely gluten-free. And always will. Except the dog foods. Actually, our dog is gluten-free. Our dog foods. Is, yeah, no, her food's gluten-free too. Yeah. Okay, cool. So share some things that helped you get through it. Was it tough for you at first? Like, how did you educate yourself, work your way through it. Um, wait, are you saying like before I found out that I had it or like when I was first, when I first got diagnosed? When you first got diagnosed. So I hardly, it was a while ago and it was also during COVID. So I had the time at home, I wasn't eating out and I had the time to just get used to that, which is very nice. And while we got to eat it, like I'm very lucky for finding that out because at home we were eating all our meals at home. And my dad was like experimenting with making like very good gluten-free stuff. And then when the pandemic kind of lifted and we got to eat out, at, I remember the first time we ate out after the pandemic we had the whole like family meal and I got like, really upset when I was seeing like the other things that other people were eating and it was difficult like the first few times mostly eating out was the most difficult thing but then I started to see like when there were places that had their gluten-free things how exciting that was and how like I started caring a lot more about the menus because I was like oh wow look this place has gluten-free bread when before I was gluten-free I was like oh bread like I have this all the time so it kind of made me appreciate the things that I could have more yeah 
That's interesting. Is it hard to manage for you now or still, or are you a pro more or less? I, well, I think I've gotten a lot better. I wouldn't say I'm a pro, but I feel like I, at school, like it's very easy to pick what's gluten-free and stuff at like the supermarket. There's so many options and I can just see every day. I'm like hearing new people that are celiac. I'm hearing about new bakeries, new places that have other things for my dad. And I think it's like, you obviously like you can't just go along with your life. You can't just order some random thing. You have to kind of advocate for yourself and stuff. But I think that's also kind of a good skill to have to be able to be like, is this thing gluten-free or just like to let you know I have an allergy. And I think that you have to take that extra step, but it's definitely after a lot of practice, it pays off. Jeez, you're so well-spoken, Verven. <laughs> ah. I get it from him. <laughs> Ken, you have multiple restaurants. You have guests with allergies and whatnot. And from experiencing your restaurants, your whole staff like is on it very on top of it when it comes to that. As a chef, it's important. Obviously, this hits closer to home. As parents, we obviously want the best for our children. What was your initial reaction like upon learning this? How did you handle it? Basically, it was like, I mean, as a chef, it was a challenge accepted type of moment where I was at the point of my life where as a chef, where I was like, oh, I can pretty much cook a lot of things on taste and on memory and things like that. So it pretty much brought me right back to culinary school to start over again fresh and not knowing anything because a lot of this was so new to me. I'd never really worked with a lot of these alternative flours and I'd never understood the reaction that yeast has with, for instance, like rice flour or what reaction is yeast going to have with buckwheat flour, with teff or all these different types of grains that I had cooked, but I've never really understood much about them. So it was a really humbling experience, almost a, a Zen type experience because I knew nothing and it was really frustrating. I threw hundreds of pounds of projects in the garbage, which I have not done probably since I was a teenager, when I used to start cooking and experimenting and kind of having not a lot of clue what I was doing. But it was uh, brought me back to earth and it just kept me pushing to try and perfect things. And even making like the perfect pasta where you can't tell the difference. I must have tried at least 150 different variations of combinations of flours and starches and this and that. And that's just for pasta or for just for tagliatelle. And then for orchiette, it was another equation. And then for cavatelli, it was another. And then so there were so many different experiments. But I had the pandemic to play. And that was gave Celine the idea for us to write the cookbook, too, which and all this was a blessing in disguise. Totally. So yeah, in the midst of all this, mom says, uh, you should write a book. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And I'd never written a recipe down in my life before then. Now He would make things yeah. and they were so good and he never ever made never. them again. All the restaurants everywhere, I'd never written down a recipe. Vervet, I've cooked with your dad just a few times or more than a few times. And I love to just more so watch and do what he tells me to do. <laughs> but sometimes I see him throwing stuff together and I'm like, what are you making? He's like, oh, I'm just doing a little bit of this. And he explains <laughs> it and I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds good. And then I taste it and I'm like, holy cow, like what just happened? <laughs> I love explaining my experiences with food and cooking around your dad. It's amazing. So, I mean, you have some of the most highly regarded restaurants in and out of Boston, and obviously, as a restaurateur chef, you take 
allergies and things like this very seriously. But did this change anything in your approach? No, I mean, not really. I mean, even before uh, Vavran was diagnosed, Celine ate mostly gluten-free for a long time. And a lot of our, and again, we knew how healthy and how much better we felt. And again, even we ate a lot of gluten-free stuff in those days. And so even some of the restaurants were kind of moving in that direction. Little Donkey, for instance, at one point was like 90% gluten-free even before Vevran was celiac. So it just kind of was a direction that we were moving in anyway. So allergies, we've always taken them seriously at all the restaurants for many, 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 many years. We train people on every single table to discuss allergies and we have protocols around everything and menus printed with certain allergies and Bibles that we call them with all the all the items and all the dishes that people can look up if they have to. Love it. Okay, so while most kids are on TikTok or trying to get Taylor Swift tickets for Ven, you were I spe- did. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Did oh, I hit yeah. the nail on that? <laughs> you were spending like free time during the pandemic writing and testing a cookbook. Well, yeah, like it was about like these like extra homework that I had to what I was already doing. Like, oh, you have to write about the Bofogneau do this day or whatever. And like it was like Zoom calls with the people working at America's Test Kitchen to write the things. It was going in. My favorite part was the whole process going into America's Test Kitchen to do like the photo shoots and things. Those were so fun. So we got to like make the food. We got to eat the food. We got to do all these fun pictures and like just be silly about it. And honestly, like it was like difficult at times. It was just like an extra workload to what I was already doing, but I really enjoyed doing it. So let's take like a step back to like, give us like the overall like about the book. Tell everyone again, title. And if I run into you on the street and I was like, what's that book you're holding? And tell me about it really quick. Um, so this is Cooking with My Dad, the Chef by Ruben Oranger, me and my dad, the chef Ken Oranger. <laughs> um, it has 70 plus kid tested, kid approved and gluten free recipes for young chefs. Um, it can be for anyone. It's for anyone that's excited to learn about cooking, anyone who wants to learn more. And it's especially for kids. And we want to get kids in the kitchen. That's what the point of this book is it's also for other gluten-free people to be able to try things that they may have missed and it has our favorite recipes recipes i've grown up on recipes that i've kind of just picked up ones that i've created ones that my dad has created to make gluten-free and really just everything that shaped me and like my my dad with my life and yeah yo everybody listening if i was a salesperson for this book i would crush it this book is it's honestly one of my favorite books right now. I remember Ken telling me, oh, I'm Verven and I are writing a book. And I got this thing in the mail eventually. And I'm like, oh, this is like real deal. I mean, ramen, <laughs> cacio pepe, miso, <laughs> banana bread. I mean, this isn't like kid book, everybody. This is like, <laughs> if you know someone who's gluten-free, celiac, get this book for them. And by the way, if you know someone who's not, get this book yeah. for them too. Because as they <laughs> mentioned in there, you don't have to use all the gluten-free ingredients. You could use regular flour for most of these things if you want. But there's tips in here. There's like hundreds of pictures in here. There's little instructional... I mean, Ken's a James Beard award-winning chef, and he's essentially giving you his tips that he does in a restaurant prep steps and equipment you need. I mean, trust me, get, I'm going to link to this book in the episode notes and on our website. I promise you this book will not let you down. And it's like on my desk right next to me right now, (laughs) along with one of the recipes that I've made in there, which is Celine's granola recipe. (laughs) 
So <laughs> with that, I've cooked a number of recipes, including the little egg bites and the granola and ramen cacio pepe snacks and the miso banana bread is after that. But there, there's so many I want to make. Um, I want to do a little game with you both right now. Do you have, you have pen and paper nearby? Right here. Yep. Okay, perfect. Don't show each other what you're writing, but I want oh, you both to write down. One second. Okay. I want you to both write down three things in the book we must try. Ooh. Don't let the other one see. And then once okay. you're done, you could both you both read them off to us. I mean, spaghetti with squid ink sauce, truffle pasta, halibut with orange ginger sauce, those mochi waffles in there, chicken tikka masala. This yeah, isn't like a kid's book, you guys. This is no joke. Guys, you, you, I'm just reading the book to everybody while you write. Okay. So. You good? Okay. <laughs> yep. I'm scared. All right. Who's first? Okay. Right, first. All right. Mochi waffles because they're the best breakfast food in the world. They're so easy to make. They are literally so delicious. I can't even believe that they're real. Uh, truffle pasta because pasta has always been my favorite food. Simple as that. And then sopes because you can put literally anything in them. They're so fun and easy to make. Whenever my dad cooks at the re- restaurants, with, I'm sorry, cooks at my school, that's what we like to make because it's really fun for kids to make. Okay. I went a little more chefy. The uni spoon, which oh, uh, yeah. I think to have a kid's cookbook with uh, uni and raw quail egg yolk and caviar, I think is really freaking cool. So the uni spoon, the strawberry shortcake ice cream bar, which kind of takes that. the mystique out of everyone loves the strawberry shortcake ice cream bar. And again, and, and first of all, for those that even if you don't have uh, celiac or gluten free, it's the most amazing simple-ish recipe to learn how to make it and it's really amazing it's amazing and then the chicken taquitos i mean you and i i know we're both mexican food fanatics and this is like a really great chicken tinga recipe that's just basically you know mixed with a little bit of cheese and some of the braising liquid and rolled into taquitos and fried and they remind me of the ones like at 7-Eleven, but a thousand times better. And I can eat literally like 10 of these without a doubt. One of my most creatable dishes in the book. All right. Now I know the next six things I'm making out of the book. Ken, is there like one or I'm, I know there's a lot and one sticks out at me. Are there one or two ingredients that like, how do I phrase this, perform well with a lot of these recipes that we wouldn't? Necess- like pasta, we wouldn't necessarily think are delicious as gluten-free or bread or banana bread or something like that. Again, one of the keys which we mentioned in the book for recipes of that type is uh, cup for cup flour, which yeah, I know I you've about. probably had the guest to be inventor on your show. I know you guys go way back. Thomas Keller created it and it is undoubtedly the best easily available gluten-free flour to use and for pasta for baked goods for everything we've tried many 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 different variations and cup for cup is i swear by it in all these recipes awesome that's good to know i'll take that we'll take that and run with it can chefs who write cookbooks have kitchens and teams and they test obviously this must have been different was there like a typical process you could both chime in. Was there a typical process if there was a conversation around the dinner table saying, we should put taquitos in the book or Verben <laughs> saying, what about this? Like, what's the next step like for the book? I mean, I don't know what other like the typical process is for cookbooks, but I'd say it was like a little bit of a process. I know like sometimes like we were at the dinner table exactly. And I remember this time distinctly when my dad was just like, oh, we can't put 
Pop-Tarts, for example, in the cookbook, because we had people testing them around the country and they said they were too difficult. And we had the whole team in America's Test Kitchen testing them. We had people around the country, other kids testing them and giving us their advice on, oh, this is too difficult to make. Oh, this took too long or whatever. And I think that's a process. I don't know how typical of a process that is. I guess you can... Yeah, I, not many people I know have, again, the amount of integrity as America's Test Kitchen with respect to recipes working out to the T. So I know you've done many, 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 many books and just to literally, some of these recipes were tested in front of me 25 times. And that's just in front of me, not just again, as Fairman mentioned, you know, where they were sent over to kids across the country to test out. So I was able to say, you know what, maybe this has one gram too much of salt in it. Let's remake it. And they would remake it. And that's how amazing they are and how like detail oriented America's test kitchen is in terms of how they work and the chefs and the, and the Susanna and Kristen and all the people from America's test kitchen that we worked on these recipes so diligently. I mean, they are perfectionists to the, you know, millionth degree. Yeah. It sounds like an incredible relationship you all had there. That's really cool. Verven, how does it feel to have the power to inspire a lot of kids and families? Um, well, I think it's like super cool that we like got to do all this in the book and that all these people are reading it and enjoying it. Like I think like, that's amazing. I already thought it was so cool that we published the book and to see that all these people are doing the recipes, loving the recipes, I think is so cool. And I really hope that we're inspiring these kids. I hope we're getting people into the kitchen and I hope we're getting gluten-free people to try things that maybe they haven't had in a while. Did you realize that was going to happen? What did you think? Like you worked on this book, it was going to come out and how cool when you first touched that first copy. But I'm sure you've gotten plenty of feedback from people, whether it's through Ken's social media or otherwise saying how great the book is, obviously. Like, did you not expect that, but did you realize that was going to happen? I mean, it's weird. It's like I was like a year ago, I was working on this book I, a year, pretty much just a year ago. That's when like, the photo shoot for the cover happened. And like, I knew it was going to get published and I knew it was going to go out and stuff. But it was like when I first actually had the book in my hands that it really felt real. Because even before that, I was like, it just I couldn't really picture what was going to happen after that. And like just everything started kind of happening quickly after it got published and people started reading it and stuff. And I think it was definitely much more than I expected. And I like it's been amazing to see how many people have enjoyed it. But she crushed it as always. The book launched, there was live TV in New York and there was pop-ups and book signings. And it was just such a meaningful bonding experience for the two of us. And to see so many people that eat gluten-free and many, many others that didn't eat gluten-free that are just like wanting to hear our story and wanting to see these recipes from the restaurants, which again, the book is first and foremost, these are all the dishes that my kids grew up eating in and out of the restaurants. And some of them are naturally gluten-free. Some of them aren't, but these are still all the dishes, gluten-free or not, that we have in the restaurants and, and the kids grew up. Raven, I'm sure your dad and mom and others have had intelligent conversations with you. And I'm sure the love and praise is going to come and go. But I'll, I just encourage you to like keep talking about it keep telling people about it. If someone says, tell them about your book, tell them like every time you talk about it, something good is going to happen for someone. You know what I mean? And I'm excited for people <laughs> to hear. I mean, we, we don't have like millions of listeners to this podcast, but we have a lot. We have a, a lot, a good amount and we get feedback and I'm like, can't wait for people 
to hear this. I'm really excited. Well, thank so, you to everyone listening right now. <laughs> don't ever shut your mouth about it. How's that? Be annoying <laughs> a little bit to when your mom is like, like me. then again. Yeah, take like, after me on that. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, like the goal is to have like Celine be like, prevent enough with the book. No, <laughs> keep talking about it. It's amazing. So I want to switch gears a little bit. As I mentioned before we started recording, your dad knows this, but we talk a lot about giving back and charity work on the podcast because also as people like your dad and chefs around the world do an incredible amount of work to give back, whether it's their time, money, their voice, their social media, doing a special fundraiser dinner at a restaurant, cooking for a cause. And it's one of the main reasons why we started this podcast And as I was saying, for everyone listening, Ken's done an extraordinary amount of charity work that we spoke about in his episode with, I mean, just, I'm just scratching the surface with World Central Kitchen, an organization started during the pandemic called Off Their Plate, and a ton of more causes and organizations that are not only meaningful to him, but meaningful to good friends of his that he's supported. So Vervin, I asked your dad if he teaches you and your brother Luca about giving back, and he gave us a few examples of ways that you all have done that through food. And I want to play you this quick clip. Yeah, we definitely teach the kids about giving back. And at a young age, we would bring them into the restaurants when we were, you know, doing events and, and, and discuss them. We would organize, whether it be, you know, five guest chefs uh, doing a pop-up to, uh, at, you know, my buddy's diner where we were charging, you know, a thousand dollars a head to you know, give money back. That's what we do. And it's just teaching, you know, teaching the kids that, you know, if anybody needs any help through food, we can create something. And we're lucky enough to know people that if we do need to raise money, you know, we can charge enough to, to make an impact very quickly. Which is amazing. So I would love for you to share, do you remember any of the work you did maybe going into your dad's restaurants or can you share with any of the adults or kids listening any way that you remember being surrounded by that or anything you may be up to? So I know like every time my dad's done these things, he's told me about them and I've liked to like be there when I can to hear about them. And I think it's so amazing that he's doing all these things and I try to help out as much as I can. And as I'm going into high school next year, I want to see if I can kind of improve the charity work that I can do and the way that I can help other people with my voice and with food and with the way that food brings people together. And I know that there's a celiac kids connection thing that I have a part of, and it's for a bunch of other celiac people and supporting them and people that are kind of just joining that community. And there's a, like a mentor program that I'm going to start next year. And it's where you mentor a younger kid or just someone who recently found out they have celiac and help them with just like like different brands in the supermarket or how to deal with it when you're eating with your friends at restaurants and stuff. And I think that's a really great part for other people that are more experienced as celiac people and for what I want to try for myself, because I think it can be really helpful because I feel like if I have this knowledge of being celiac and how to deal with that, I want to be able to share that with other people. I know a good book you can give to these people. That's great. So you mentioned, you said celiac kids connection, is that like an actual organization or is that a program or if you ha- have mom or dad email me after 
about that if it's like a public website i'll share that yeah well it's an organization that's based in boston but uh, oh, cool. it's through a children's hospital but i can uh, definitely send you some information cool i love that all right we're gonna do a little speed round action for both of you and then we'll do a closing question and i'll say good night this is the first three are for both of you so let's do a verven first and then dad answer second number one what did you have for dinner last night Wait, I'm so sorry. I don't understand. Cappy would, would love it. I'm trying to remember what last night was. Want me to refresh your memory? I don't remember. I always forget what I've had for... Al Pastor tacos. Oh, right. And... We had tacos. Truffle. We also had truffle uh, tagliate. We also had pizza. Yep, yep. And broccoli. It was family dinner. You had the same, Ken? Yes, I did. Gosh, I wish I was there. Okay, number two. <laughs> Verven, name a smell in the kitchen you love. Truffle ginger good one ken how about you a smell that i love there's no better smell to me than garlic. well yes <laughs> garlic <laughs> garlic number one and butter and sugar melting and blending together oh that's a good one Ooh. actually that's caramel, caramel, brown butter smell yeah brown yeah. buttery caramel no actually I, I have to seal that for my first smell <laughs> <laughs> okay number three verven name a smell in the kitchen you hate I wouldn't say cucumbers really have a smell, but you can smell them, and I do smell them, and I do not like that smell. Ken? A smell in the kitchen I hate. Oh, my God. I don't think there's really anything. Maybe, yeah, maybe like rotting food. or I love rotting food. Yeah, rotting food, and... Over, 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 overcooked like hard-boiled eggs. That's sulfury oh, eggs. Oh, that, yeah. Okay, this one's only for, for Ven. Name one thing you can eat of your dad's every day. Let's see. I love his strawberry dogs. Yeah. It's a very basic one. I bet they're amazing. <laughs> next time, Ken. Next time. Next one for you, Ken. We know you like fish sauce. We've referenced this. We joke about this. Although it's not a joke, it's a serious ingredient. <laughs> Is there a recurring ingredient that you see or saw in Verven's cooking or when she was creating recipes? Like something she liked to use? I love using molasses. I had a big yeah. phase with that. Yeah, she, yeah, molasses out of nowhere. Yeah, it was definitely put in. I was like fascinated by it. I don't know why yeah, for, I was. I just was like, it's, for quite it was just time. so random. I was like, molasses and. There was one time that we made fondant and there was that like sticky stuff that I loved. It was like, if you touch it, it would go across, you know what I mean? Oh, glucose. Yeah, glucose. And I think, uh, I mean, you love garlic as much as I love garlic and truffles. You love truffles and, and miso. Again, I found her kind of really liking, not knowing what it was in, but understanding that there was something else giving that umami flavor in uh, what she was eating. Yeah. Verven, we'll see where this next question goes for you. But if there's a movie made about you, what actress would you want? to play you that's a really tough one i'd say well if i was making a movie about myself i'm pretty sure i would know who was acting so just for the fact of meeting her taylor swift she's not really an actress but she's been in movies or emma watson maybe because i feel like she just kind of looks like me and has a similar really good. good ones yeah i love it let's do a bonus let's do a bonus who should play your dad? We were talking about this. We're like, maybe what's the guy that played the whole? Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. <laughs> 
Love it. Or Homer Simpson. <laughs> or the person that played Darth Vader in Voldemort because they just look very similar. <laughs> uh, this is good. All right. Closing it out here. Verven, if you are, sta- picture yourself standing in a room in front of like a hundred kids and maybe their families. They were recently diagnosed with celiac. You're standing in front of this room talking to them. What dish from the book would you want them to try that you think would get like a big wow? And also, I'm curious what encouragement you would give to them. And this is a pre-interview for your mentor program, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say that's a very easy one. I'd say our pasta recipe because it's very difficult to find good gluten-free pasta. And there's so many people I've heard that the first time they've had, they've been like, like they just didn't even have words. They're like, oh my God, I don't even know how that's gluten-free. Like it's better than gluten pastas that I've had. And I think it's also really fun to make, just like even not gluten-free. Like whenever my friends would make it with us sometimes, they would be like, really excited by it because there's so many different shapes to make and for a word of encouragement i would say it only gets easier and it's in the long run you're going to be thankful for like the community that started how excited you can get by like the food you can eat and i've like met multiple people through it like through my dad um there's a lot of people that have helped me through it and it's really good to get a community to know people that do it and only gets easier as you're advocating for yourself and you're getting out there in the world and you're researching about these places. Like when you're like, oh, we're going to visit this place or, oh, like I'm like seeing my grandparents here. Let me see if there's any restaurants or bakeries or something that are gluten-free that I might want to try. So good. <laughs> Ken, <laughs> so good. Ken, what tips or advice do you have for parents who may have a child with a celiac diagnosis that may or may not have the cooking skills that you do? Well, I think no matter what, if they have the cooking skills or not, they need to learn them. They need to educate themselves and they need to come out of their comfort zones and really start understanding a little bit about this. But nowadays, there's so many more gluten-free products on shelves that, I mean, even if you go into Whole Foods, there's like 10, 12 different brands of pastas and there's so many things. So, just do a ton of research. Don't be afraid to cook because, again, it doesn't. you don't have to make the fanciest of foods in the world. And just uh, realize that so many foods are naturally gluten-free. Again, obviously, most all Vietnamese food, for instance. Mexican all the all, Yeah, Mexican food, like 99% of Mexican food other than flour tortillas is gluten-free. 99% of Vietnamese food is gluten-free. Thai food, same thing. So there's so many cuisines around the world that are naturally gluten-free that uh, open up your kids' horizons to a lot of these ethnic cuisines and uh, makes it that much easier. Love it. Thank you both. This was incredible. Thank you to your technical director, Celine Oranger, as well. (laughs) This was awesome. As I said multiple times, I'm going to put the link to this book in the episode show notes, as well as Ken's social media. So feel free to bombard him and direct message him with all of your questions. But appreciate you both. I know Ken's going to keep talking about the book. Verven, keep talking about the book. I'm excited for you to continue to (laughs) be a champion for kids in the kitchen. And then I'm going to I feel like tomorrow Ken's going to be like, Bervin's going to college. And I'm going to be like, oh my God, that went fast. So enjoy being a kid. And thank you both again. Thank Thank you you so so much, much, Kathy. Such a great time. Thanks again to Chef Ken Oranger and his daughter, Verven. And hey, you know that new Clean Play Club podcast you heard me talking about at the beginning of this episode? You'll be able to catch an incredibly delicious recipe from Ken and Verven on Clean Play Club in just a few weeks. So make sure you subscribe to that podcast on your listening site of choice or follow along on Instagram at Clean Play Club Pod. If you want to find Ken on Instagram, he's at Ken Oranger. 
To learn more about Celiac Kids Connection, go to celiackidsconnection.org. We'll share a link to those websites in the episode notes and at beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media at On Cappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is also on social at BT Plate Podcast. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen, Joel Yetten, and Sean Petrosian. Our digital media producer is Sarah McClellan Mead. Our music has been composed by Goldford. Find him at iGoldford. As always, special shout out to my wife, Katie. If you have a moment, would you be so kind as to rate or review and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice? And also our brand new podcast called Clean Play Club. Clean Play Club is a family-friendly podcast that is kind of like story time, but with recipes. You can find it on all major podcast platforms and on Instagram at Clean Play Club Pod. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy. And remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.